there are, there are tons of important questions in life that we get asked and that we have to answer. Um, you know, the one that you start out with as a kid is, what's your favorite color, right? You always get asked, what's your favorite color? Uh, as I wrote in my letter to you guys, uh, Ellie's favorite color is pink and purple. She has no favorite color, pink and purple. So uh, anyways, we'll get there with that. But, um, you know, what's your favorite food? You know, where are you going to college? Are you going to college? What are you doing after uh, high school? Um, what are you going to do? What are you going to be when you grow up? Why would you root for any other college football team than University of Georgia? That's important. Is that a little too soon? We only, we're only getting to know each other a little bit. Um, some of you leaned in after that question. Some of you are... Uh, I don't want to, I've, I've written them off. Um, I promise you, it won't be Georgia every week. Um, you know, who are you going to marry? Um, what are you going to name your child? There's all kinds of important questions that we've, we, we get asked and that we've got to answer during our lifetime. But there's no more important question than this. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And the answer to that question is just as important as the question itself. How we answer this question of who is Jesus shapes the rest of our life. It defines eternity. So I ask each of you this morning, who is Jesus? As we reach the midpoint of this I Believe series, we come to Jesus. And, and so when we read every, every Sunday morning, when we read and we say aloud the Apostles' Creed, we see that Jesus is he's right there in the middle of it, between God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we believe that there is one God, but that one God has revealed himself to us in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and we talked about how God is the Father is the creator of the universe. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, he's the creator of the universe. He created us out of his love and for us to love each other and to, and to love him. And, and so we come to Jesus this morning, and Jesus is in the middle of the Apostles' Creed, and we get a rundown of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, all in a few uh, lines in the Creed. But when I, I look at the Creed, I realize, you know, it seems like that Jesus is the glue. He's the one that kind of holds it all together. God, the Father's love, is revealed to us in Jesus. God showed us how much he loves us by sending his one and only son to live and to die for our sins. And those who believe in him, Christ's followers, are blessed with the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk more about next week. But Jesus is there in the middle of this creed as, as somewhat of a glue. And, and what we believe about Jesus is so important. How we answer the question, who is Jesus, is so important. It shapes how we live our lives, how we're supposed to live our lives. And, and Jesus knew this. He knew it was, it was of grave importance. He knew that what we believe about him and whether or not we believe in him is so important. That's why we read in our story in Luke, about Jesus coming together with his, his, his disciples and asking him this question. He wanted to know what they believed. He wanted to know where they stood. I want you to notice something in this passage. Jesus asked two different questions. In verse 18, it says that when Jesus had gone to a private place with his disciples, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? With his first question, 
Jesus is kind of trying to get the scuttlebug. He's trying to get, he's trying to understand what the rumor mill is around, around town. What are other people saying about him? The disciples give Jesus a couple of, a couple of the rumors, a couple of the rundown. They say, you, some say, Jesus, that you're John the Baptist, and some others say that you're Elijah, and then still others say that you're one of the prophets that's come back, come back to life. find it interesting how these answers that the disciples give to Jesus mirror the answers that our culture often give about who is Jesus. You see, these answers show that the crowds saw something in Jesus. They recognized that there was something about this guy named Jesus. Maybe they were there when he performed a, a miraculous healing, or maybe they just saw his power. Maybe they recognized his ability to teach well. Maybe they just felt a sense of awe about him. But they weren't quite sure what, what all that meant. And so some thought that John the Baptist had come back to life after King Herod beheaded him. Others thought that Elijah, who had taken up to heaven uh, by fiery chariots, had come back. Or that one of the prophets had returned. You see, they recognized something special about Jesus, but they couldn't put their finger on it. And they were just a little bit off on their assessment. Isn't that true of our culture? In that true of our culture, most people, no matter the culture or even religion, recognize there's something good or even powerful about Jesus. Many people who aren't believers will admit that Jesus was a good teacher. In fact, if you ask the culture, that's probably the number one answer you're going to get about Jesus, that he was a good teacher. There's something, when we look at his teachings, there are things that we can take away from his teachings. Even if we don't believe that he's the savior of the world, we can look at his teachings, there's something to take away from Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet. So he's not only a good teacher, but he was a prophet sent by God. Others who maybe recognize Jesus as divine, godly, believe that he is one of many paths leading to heaven or eternal life. So they recognize that Jesus is godly, but not that he's the only way to heaven or to eternal life. It's the common thinking or belief that's in our culture and our time and day that everyone's going to he heaven, that there's no hell, that there are many paths to get um, to heaven. I can't help but think about an encounter that I had in Uganda on my first trip there in 2012. I've been to Uganda twice, and I'm just going to tell you right now, I would love to take a group back to Uganda someday. Um, I know that this, um, this church is helping to dig wells to provide clean, safe water, uh, not only in Africa, but all over the world. But you will be blown away by the work that God is doing in uh, Uganda. But I remember an encounter I had on my first day, uh, one of my first days in Uganda. Our group had, we were uh, going to Wanyanga Central United Methodist Church in Jinja, Uganda. We were going there for a week-long conference uh, and on that first day, uh, we were doing the teaching and all that. And on that first day, some of us went out into the homes nearby the church, into the village. And we went out there to witness, to evangelize, to invite them to come to church. And I remember going to the house of an older gentleman and our interpreter asking him for permission for us to talk to him about Jesus. That was the culture. You, you, you went to the elder of the house and you asked them for permission to talk. And so he gave us that permission 
And, and both of us, um, I, had a, I had a Kenyan pastor with me who spoke English, so both of us had an interpreter. And so both of us had an opportunity to talk with this man, to share the gospel. Um, and he stood there patiently and listened to us. And when we finished, he began to share with us. And so we stood there patiently, listened to him. He would share, and an interpreter would interpret, and he would share. It took a while, but you get used to it after a while being over there. And what we learned from this man was in his house, there were at least four different religions represented. There were, there were many living in his home, 10 or 12, that was common. They had big families and, 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 and so forth. And so a lot of people live in a very small uh, area. This man was Muslim and he had multiple wives. One of his wives was Christian, another was Hindu, and there were some others there. He told us that what that he believed that each person in his house, and each of those religions in that house, uh, I love this analogy that they gave, were different fish. They were all different fish swimming in the same pond, meaning he believed that they were all going to the same place. Neither I nor the Kenyan pastor made any real headway with this man, but I couldn't help realize that the same mentality of this man was represented throughout the world. And it may not be as visible as several religions in one home, um, but it may be the fact that some of us think that being good is all that we really need to do in order to gain eternal life. Or that, you know, if I go to church a couple of times a year, then that's, that's, that's okay, that's good. That's all I need to do. What I wish I had told that Ugandan uh, gentleman standing there at his home was this. No, sir, you are not all fish swimming in the same pod and pond instead you are all different fish swimming in different ponds and one day some of those ponds are going to run dry you see there are all kinds of differing beliefs about beliefs about Jesus and if you're relying on the culture to answer that question of who is Jesus I'm telling you you're going to get a different answer from every person you speak to so here's the thing I don't believe that Jesus was too concerned about the answers that the disciples gave to that first question Jesus was not that concerned about what the culture thought of him. He was more concerned about what his disciples thought of him. And so he says to him, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? That's a stinger right there. While Jesus may have been interested in the, in the scuttlebug and the rumor mill earlier, now he wants their response. He wants their answer to the question of who is Jesus? Now, the, the scripture says that Peter's the one that answers the question. But if you realize, if you read, the, if you read the, the Gospels, you realize that Peter was like the unofficial spokesperson for the disciples. He was the one always in class raising his hand, to, when the, he was when raising his hand first when the teacher asked a question, otherwise known as the teacher's pet. You know, that's, that's Peter. Who, 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 me, 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 I got the answer, I got the he was He was quick to speak and slow to listen. But he was the unofficial leader of the 12 disciples. And so while Peter answers this question, I believe he is answering it for the whole group. While this may have been the first time that we read about Jesus asking, asking the disciples this question, I don't believe it was the first time the disciples had asked themselves this question. You've got to believe that they had been discussing this same exact question among themselves. Who is this guy? 
Who's this guy that we left everything for, man? He, he heals the lame. He, he makes the blind to see. He feeds thousands with just a few loaves of bread. He raises the dead back to life. He calms storms. He teaches with such authority that even the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers of law, they're amazed. They're amazed. Who is this guy? And so I believe the disciples had already formulated their answer. They had already formulated their response. So Peter replies to the question, who is Jesus by saying God's Messiah? Jesus is God's Savior. He's the one who saves us from our sin. He's the one that rescues us from eternal punishment in hell. He's the one that gives us new life in him. He's the one that, that we adore, that we're to follow, that we're to love like, that we're to live like. To look like he's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is God's Savior, God's Messiah. He is the true picture of God's love for us. And here's the thing. Just as the disciples had to answer that question, each one of us has to answer that question for ourselves. Who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? Is he a good teacher? Is he a prophet? A good person? Or is he just one of many paths to heaven? Or is he Savior and Lord, God Almighty, the way, the truth, and the life? And let me be clear on something. Jesus isn't asking your parents who Jesus is, although he does want them to answer that for themselves. He isn't asking your husband or your wife who Jesus is, although he wants them to ask, answer that for themselves. Jesus isn't asking your grandparents who he is, although he's concerned about their answer as well. He isn't asking your friends who Jesus is, again, though he's concerned about their answer. Jesus is asking you, who do you say that Jesus is? You see, we can't rely on our parents' faith. Although they may have taught us well and they may have dragged our tails to church every Sunday. We can't rely on our spouse's faith, although they've been praying for you and encouraging you and spurring you on. We can't rely on our grandparents' faith or the faith of our friends. Each of us as individuals must answer for ourselves this question, who is Jesus? Growing up as a preacher's kid, this was both an easy and difficult thing. I have always known about Jesus. Many of you in this room have always known about Jesus. I've always known about Jesus coming on Christmas morning, what we say is Christmas morning, about Jesus as a child. We, we, I know about Jesus as a child and then growing up and performing all these miracles and teaching these amazing things. I know about Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the grave three days later. I know about Jesus. I've heard the stories all my life. And I could easily settle for that. Going about knowing about Jesus, but not really believing in Jesus. Knowing the stories, but not really doing anything with them, or truly believing it for myself. But there came a moment when things changed. I was in youth group in middle school, and the youth director was speaking to us that night, and um, I have no idea what he taught. Don't have a clue. Don't remember. 
But at the end of it, he told us to go and find a, a place by ourselves in the church and go and pray. And I found an empty Sunday school classroom. It's one of those, it's one of those moments where, you know, if you, you, I could smell that room again right now. I could smell it. And I began to pray to God, and I just told God, I asked, I asked Jesus to be my Lord, and I told God that I would follow him from that day forward. Hadn't always been easy, but I remember that moment. Things had to change. I couldn't rely on my, on my dad's faith or my mom's faith. It had to become real for me. Each of us must decide who Jesus is, and eventually we must understand what it means to say that, that Jesus is God's Messiah, that Jesus is God's Savior. Once Jesus hears the reply from the disciples, he wants them to know what they're signing up for, and he wants them to know that if they truly believe that he is God's Messiah, they must be fully committed to him. Just a few verses later, he tells them in 23 through 25, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit their very self? He wants the disciples to know, and for us to know as well, that if we truly believe that Jesus is God's Messiah, the Savior of the world, then we must live like it. We must live out our belief. We can't hold back a part of ourselves and think that's okay. We can't follow Jesus in one area of our life and not follow him in another area. We must be sold out completely. Jesus gave us his all, his very self, and he expects the same in return. See, we can say we believe in Jesus, but what does that mean? Do you believe he simply existed? Do you believe he was a good teacher? Do you believe he was a prophet? Or do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he's God's Messiah? Do you believe that he rose from the grave? Do you believe that he forgives you of your sins? And if you say that you believe that Jesus is God's Messiah, are you living like it? Our belief is demonstrated by our actions, and our actions demonstrate what we believe. Jesus made sure his disciples understood this, and he wants us to as well. So the question before you this morning is, what about you? Who do you say Jesus is? It's the most important question you'll ever be asked, and the answer to that question is just as important. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we, we thank you for your son Jesus, that you loved us so much that you sent him, your very only, only son, to live and to die for us. Father, we pray that we can answer the question of who is Jesus, that we can answer it confidently. He is your Messiah, our Savior. Help us to answer that question and then to live, to love, and to look like Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.